Well, hello and welcome. I'm glad you could make it. I'm Rebecca Vardes, founder of Indiepreneur Academy, and this is the Like a Vardes podcast, where I take what I've learned since the dot-com boom and pour wisdom into the ears of the work-from-home crew about health, wealth, happiness, mindset, creativity, love, spirituality, and living a life of purpose on purpose. So whether you've been online since the early days like me, or you're just starting out since 2020 sent us to our rooms, you'll learn from people who are making online businesses work whatever life throws at them. Get comfy, get your ears ready for a good time. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate it, share it with people who benefit from hearing it, and check out my blog for more free training at likeabardass.com. Hello, welcome to the podcast, or welcome back if you've listened to my other podcasts. If you haven't, you should just like binge them. I think that is a good idea. They they are calorie free. Binging them is not going to be a bad thing. You will learn a lot about various things. For example, uh, one of the things you will learn a lot about is personality disorders, narcissism, ego, uh, stuff like that, and also where you might be on that whole spectrum of things because narcissism is a spectrum we are all upon it um if you've ever met a toddler you will recognize that it's a little daily narcissist if i scaled that up and it was having that tantrum people would be ended and that is the case like so we all do need to understand the whole narcissism ego thing so i've covered that a lot There's also stuff in here about business, there's stuff in here about just general work from home stuff, uh, things about vision and spirituality and your purpose and psychology and it's it's a big old quality street, quality, do people still eat, eat quality street, is it still a thing? I don't know, I don't eat junk food. So imagine a kind of a variety box of wonder and that is what this podcast is you should listen to all listen to all of them listen to all of the podcasts if you're on apple give it a five star review because that helps people to find it if you're not on apple get on apple give it a five star review oh the the five people on spotify by the way who listen to my podcast more than anything else on the whole of spotify i really appreciate you thank you so much i'm not on spotify so this is fun for me to kind of like discover oh well there's like five whole people who listen to me more than anything else i i think that's wonderful anyhow you are very special people appreciate you um this podcast is available all over the place so wherever you're listening to it if there's a an option for reviewing it in a lovely way then i would really appreciate you reviewing it in a lovely way if you don't want to review it in a lovely way then just toodle off (laughs) it's fine you don't have to there is nothing that keeps you here there are many many podcasts you can go and listen to another one but if you're one of my peeps if you are one of the people who gets me if you listen to me and you think she's kind of weird but I'm sort of also kind of weird and I kind of like her weirdness then you know the five star reviews will help more weirdlings to find this and we can all um, I don't know take over the world of weirdness However, speaking of weird people, today we are going to discuss Pete Davidson and his, um, well, what is it that he has that is bringing in the ladies? Because it's definitely a thing. 
Now, I know that uh, the majority of people who listen to my podcast are male. So if you're female, I'm going to be giving you some kind of tips on how to avoid. Let's just say I have dated all the people with the the personality disorder, so you don't have to. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a bit of a rundown of what it's like dating people with personality disorders because he has one. Then you can use this information from my ridiculous experiences so that you don't, I don't know, fall into that trap, have that pattern, whatever it is. I am great at helping people with relationships. I have just a stellar record for helping people in relationships, with relationships, getting out of relationships, getting into relationships. I'm brilliant at this. When it comes to coaching myself on relationships, not so great. So um, I have made all of the mistakes and that is what makes me great at helping you not make those mistakes. This is what I think is the deal with Pete Davidson. Now, He's trending. He's trending on Twitter right now because BuzzFeed spoke about him. So let's just look at what BuzzFeed said about this guy. I'm not going to click through to their article. I'm just reading. I'm just being lazy, essentially, is what I'm doing, because I'm sure you're sometimes lazy and you just kind of look at the trending topics and don't bother reading the articles. That's what I'm doing. I'm just scrolling down, giving you the basics, because that's really all you need on this story. He doesn't have to prove he's a man, we already know. I think that's kind of an indication of the fact that this dude is the guy after whom the term BDE is, is based. So BDE is actually about this guy and BDE, if you don't know what BDE is, big dick energy. I have a different term for it. I call it big drive energy, but, uh, You could call it big dimension energy, but essentially dude is hung and has the energy of a dude that is hung, according to Ariana Grande. And it's in a it's in a song that she wrote um, that he is very well endowed. Now, if you are a guy who is listening to this, who is less well endowed, BDE really has nothing to do with dimension. It is about the energy of not needing to prove yourself. So sometimes guys will try really hard to prove that they're like an alpha male. And that actually, although many, many guys in the manosphere live this life and they they buy and sell courses on it, they buy and sell books on it, the whole sort of pickup artist strategy thing is based around it. It's somewhat repellent to a lot of women. This does not pull in the women in the way that you have been sold. Sorry to burst your bubble, but it doesn't. Because it actually comes across beta or beta. You're trying too hard. It's like, check me out. I am this, 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 rah. And then all the guys go, yeah, dude, bro. And and then the women are like, okay. He's kind of dull, you know? This isn't. There are a few women who really go for that, but a lot of women don't. Pete, nothing like that. This is a this is a skinny dude. Doesn't clearly doesn't spend much time in the gym. He is he has tattoos all over his body, that there's no rhyme or reason to them. It's like he just kind of doodled on himself. It's 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 a mess of stuff. Okay, he is clearly. In, in in many ways, a mess of a person. 
is not a guy that you think, okay, this dude is up at four in the morning. He's hitting the weights. He's he's eating eating twelve eggs, and he only eats organic. And it's he's downing cold coffee, but he never goes near prescription drugs. And he's or street drugs. And he is like he's living the pure, clean life. And um, out in the mountain springs, first thing in the morning, and the the women dig it. That is not this dude. That is not this dude. And yet this dude is pulling in the goddesses of the world. Let's have a quick look. Let's just let's just have a quick look. If you are not yet fully versed in the Pete Davidson thing, let's just have a look. Let's just have a look. So, it is no secret. This is, I am reading the BuzzFeed little thing here. It is no secret that Pete Davidson has dated tons of beautiful women from Ariana Grande to Kate Beckinsale to Phoebe Dinevor, I think it is, and now Kim Kardashian. Well, that was like nine hours ago, but subsequently it appears to have broken in in hours that he may now be dating Miley Cyrus at the same time as Kim Kardashian or not. We don't know, but uh, a memorable evening was spent apparently. So who even knows? The dude is like... He's just going from woman to woman. And also these women don't seem to hate him once they're done with him either. It's It seems to be some kind of, he is just blessing females. Who who even knows what's going on here? But let's look. I have my theories. I'm going to go into them in a second. Even though he seems like a legit dude and he's a talented comedian who's found lots of success on SNL and beyond, there are some folks, still some folks, who just don't know why people are so into this guy. I know why. I'm, I'm going to share this. I'm going to share this, but I'm just reading you the little bit of BuzzFeed so you can uh, wet your whistle, so to speak. That sounds wrong and euphemistic. Wasn't meant to. Well, Reddit user, blah, blah, blah. This whole thing about Reddit, I'm not even going to read all of this, but here's a bunch of things that came out of that Reddit thread about why people like this guy. Okay, major softy vibes. He seems very genuine and he's confident in his vulnerability. I get the feeling he's very focused and attentive with his partners. This is a big one. This is a big one. Manosphere dudes, listen, because you're missing this piece. Why I will be asking for Pete's hand in marriage, reason 143. He has a good relationship with his mum. This guy meets these women and just wants to get to know them, meet their parents and take them to Staten Island to meet his mum. I can see how being famous but still being earnest and sincere with people he likes works in his favour in, in a big way. He's not a supermodel or anything, but I don't find him bad looking at all, blah, blah, blah. So he's, he's pleasant looking. He's not a supermodel. When you look at the women that he's pulling in, you know, it's not... But he's... He's approachable looking. He has an open and friendly face. We'll get to that in a second. He has a big heart. This is, they're pointing towards the BDE. It's not really heart they're talking about. He's full of skinny boy BDE. Like he knows he doesn't have to prove that he's a man we already know. So there's again this, this sense that he doesn't have to prove anything because he's equipped. So he just has this effortless confidence. If you're a guy listening to this and you're thinking, well, that's great. I don't, I'm not equipped in that way. You don't have to be. It's an energy. Okay. So I wrote, um, I wrote a course called Mystery and Mastery, which is about these energies, the masculine and feminine energies. BDE, I describe as big drive energy. 
it's not about what you have dimensionally. Um, and when you actually understand a little bit about the female anatomy, the, the bit that you really need to reach is only maximum of five inches in. So if you've got five inches, you're good. If you haven't, you need to get a bit creative with positions and stuff. But five inches plus, you can do everything you need to do. It's very, very rare that you find a woman with the kind of dimensionality internally that they have to be with someone who is considerably longer than that. Um, so it's, you know, that that's on the dimensionality of the woman. Generally speaking, that is not the case. So it's more the energy of what BDE is, is the energy of I don't have anything to prove. That's basically it. He holds himself he's as confident but not cocky. I don't think that is a pun. Okie dokes. I, d I don't think... I think it's nothing to do with what he has in his trousers, as we call them in England. It is a couple of things. One, it's female competitiveness. Once, once alpha females have slept with a guy, other alpha females are interested in the guy because it's a competitive thing. The other thing is he has borderline personality disorder. Borderlines are, borderline males are rare. Only 25% of borderlines are male, but they are deeply attractive to women. Deeply attractive. And all of those things that are listed there are aspects of borderline personality disorder. Now, let me be clear. When I'm speaking to women, I am warning you about this because borderline is potentially very dangerous. When I'm speaking to guys, I am not telling you to become somebody who is borderline or I'm not promoting any kind of dark triad shenanigans. What I'm saying is any of these personality disorders, any of these conditions, there's there's a downside. There's a very big downside to any dark triad personality disorder, any personality disorder. There's a downside to. But there's also a positive aspect. And if you can look at the positive aspects and integrate those in a non-abusive way, it will help you to relate better to the opposite sex. For, for the women, you know, I, I have I've dated <laughs> all the personality disorders. So this would be a um, do as I say, not as I do type scenario. Having dated someone, I've, I've dated narcissists, I've dated sociopaths, I've dated co covert sociopaths, I've dated, I believe I've dated psychopaths. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the majority narcissists because they're more, there's more of them. But I've also dated um, at least one borderline and one uh, diagnosed. And so I can speak to what makes borderlines so irresistible. And borderlines are irresistible regardless of gender. But my take on it is narcissism, Seven is there's a very major gender split with these things. Narcissism, 75% of narcissists are male. So I feel like narcissism, when it's at the bad end, narcissism is essentially toxic masculinity. 
I do not believe that masculinity is toxic. I have created a whole course on it. Get it. It's called Mystery and Mastery. It will explain it more. Um, don't get it if you're not a spiritual person because it will just annoy you. But it explains kind of the spirituality behind it and everything. So I think NPD level plus of narcissism is toxic masculinity. I believe that borderline, which is 75% female, it shows up in, in, in women, it is sort of more toxic femininity. Toxic masculinity is is more external. It's more destructiveness pointing outwards. Toxic femininity is destructiveness pointing inwards or more, more covert stuff. So they do show up kind of in both, but that's more the gender split. So when a, when a guy shows up with borderline, and if you have borderline, I know there's, there's four very distinct types of borderline. They're, they're quite different from each other, quite distinctive from each other. I may not be speaking directly about who you are, or if you know someone with borderline, I may not be speaking directly about who they are. This is just general stuff. So don't get triggered by it. If it doesn't apply to you, ignore it. <laughs> you know, that's fine. It doesn't have to apply to you. Um, this is just more general. So general, if you don't know what borderline is, borderline is or the way that it, that it started off being described, is it's on the borderline between psychosis and neurosis. So someone with borderline is dealing with both this psychotic side, which is the scary, like, <laughs> oh no, horror movie stuff, um, and the neurotic side, which is more attacking themselves. So a lot of cutters are borderlines and Pete is um the reason he's got so many tattoos is because he's put tattoos over all of the cuts so borderlines are not super happy people I and mean, they can be he's a comedian obviously but then there's this other side to them what is it about that that draws women in it is because a borderline male has the aspects of masculinity that come with that psychotic, narcissistic side of things. So they can be very alpha, they can be very confident, they can be very out there, incredibly magnetic, very, very sexy. Like a lot of borderlines, are, regardless of gender, they have a very strong sexual energy. But... On the other side, they have this vulnerability, they have the insight of the feminine. So they've got the insight, they can understand you, they are more open than a narcissist would be in some ways. Um, there's more of a sense that they genuinely care about you. Narcissists will, and again, this I'm generalizing here, but narcissists will, they generally come with a plan. They are seeking to get whatever it is that they want and they will manipulate people to get it. They're very manipulative. So they are looking at, okay, what can I see in this person that I can play on to get whatever it is that I want? Borderlines will do that too, but they trip themselves up with it because they actually care about people. There are narcissists, when they move towards the sociopathic end of the scale, increasingly do not care about people at all. They really don't. 
They will play that they do, but ultimately they don't. They only care about themselves. Borderlines get hooked on people. So it's like they're addicted to people. If you've seen you, um, that is a very kind of scary um, series on Netflix. I would say that the main character in that is borderline. Um, a very damaged person underneath, some bad stuff happened. I'm not going to give spoilers or anything, but when you look at the way that he behaves, he, he falls very deeply for people. He does genuinely care about people. And he has this kind of saviour complex. Where he's looking out for them and trying to take care of them. And then it all goes wrong and he accidentally, you know, I mean, he kills a bunch of people. Let's just put it that way. That's not even really a spoiler. You, you will get the indication of that pretty soon on watching the trailers. So he kind of stalks people and kills them. That's obviously not a great thing. You don't really want that in a partner, that they're going to get super crazed about you and then, you know, damage you or themselves in the process. But but that drive to to kind of have that soulmate connection with someone and getting kind of addicted to a person, that's very easy for someone with borderline to fall into. Um, they do get put into these character, these roles in films, in movies and in series of these kind of crazed killers and stuff. And that's unfortunate because that's a very small subset of people. The majority of people who are, are borderline are way more damaging to themselves than they are to anyone else. They turn in on themselves a lot. It's the condition with the highest suicide rate, I believe. And they really do care about people. It's not that they don't care about people. They just have, they have empathy blind spots. So they can be really engaged, really care about someone. And then, and then they'll just not, it's, it's weird. And then they, and then when they see oh gosh, I didn't care about that person the right way. Then they go into this big shame spiral that not that narcissists that are kind of lower down um, the scale go into as well. So narcissists that are lower down the scale, they, they have a similar, there's a lot of crossover. They, they can also go into this, oh, you know, I don't give a crap about anyone. I'm just going to look out for myself. And then like, oh, what did I do? I'm a horrible person. Um, I really didn't want to hurt anyone. Why can't I be better? What the hell is wrong with me? It, it's not a fun place to be in. So this this is the condition that, that Pete has. And he, the, the upside of it is this real attentiveness to the other person. So when the manosphere is talking about pickup artist strategy and stuff, it's it's not based on genuinely giving a crap about another person. It's not at all. It's it's like how do I get my numbers up and how do I run through the numbers and feel good about myself and be alpha. And it's not about how do I genuinely get to know this other person? How do I care about this person? How do I make this person feel valued? It's just how do I trick them? Borderlines, even if sometimes they are, they are kind of Machiavellian, they can be the same way that narcissists can. So even if sometimes they are kind of trying to trick someone, they, like I said, they, they kind of trip themselves up because they, they generally 
tend to end up falling for people. <laughs> so they do actually care about people. And they can kind of come a cropper with that because they pay really close attention and they're, they're hypervigilant. Hypervigilance is a trauma response. Anybody who's borderline has, has gone through trauma. It, it's really pretty much impossible to get borderline without going through trauma. With Pete, his dad died in 9-11, okay? So he had to deal with that. He dealt with it with, with humour and he's a comedian. This is quite a common thing that happens. If you want to look at an example of borderline that's not violent but does show the psychotic side to it sometimes and and the uh, the side to it that is seemingly unfeeling but shows also the very deep aspect of of the the feelingness of someone with borderline i recommend watching my crazy ex-girlfriend which is based on someone with with borderline the person who actually is the main character in that she she has bipolar disorder which is a different kind of disorder it's a mood disorder but she's been able to kind of that there's a bit of crossover between borderline and bipolar so she plays it really well it's 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 very funny it's a very funny series but it looks into what borderline feels like to the person who has borderline and also what it's like to the people around them if they're not a violent borderline which he isn't so this this character um who shares my first name <laughs> um and oddly enough the the guy she's obsessed with in in the series has the same name as my avatar which is kind of weird when I was watching this I was like oh gosh this is uncomfortable I'm not borderline, by the way. I've been tested. I don't have any personality disorders. This is a shocker to me too, because like, why am I dating so many people with personality disorders? I will get onto that in a second when we get back to Pete. So um, she she is kind of like, there's a, a common theme in this series of people saying, why is everyone so obsessed with this woman? Like, what is it about her? That makes people so obsessed. She's pretty, but she's not like stunning. You know, she's got some issues, some body issues, and some bits and bobs, and she's kind of a mess. But but people just they completely fall in love with her. And it's like, why is this happening? Why is everyone obsessed with this woman? And it's because she has the same, these same personality traits. She's really into people, she's really interested in them. She wants to listen to you. She wants to know about you. She's funny. She's intelligent. This is very common with borderlines. They're funny. They're intelligent. They're magnetic. The the guy that, um, you know, the the guy that I fell for who um, who's diagnosed borderline, he, the first conversation I had with him went on for seven hours. I mean, it was, he he's just fascinating I mean he's just absolutely fascinating really funny and really intelligent and just like amazingly interesting guy but he's also sort of interested in other people um except every now and then he's not like every now and then he's super narcissistic and every now and then he has he has said to me um this is great, isn't it? That 
we get to talk about me. Like the narcissist in me enjoys the fact that I get to talk about myself and the fact that you are codependent <laughs> means you enjoy talking about me too. So we both win. Codependency, I'll get onto that in a second. So she is really magnetic. She's, people feel really seen by her, but she, her life is a really dramatic everything is a big production she even it's basically like a musical she sees everything as a musical and it's this whole big um exciting drama in which she is swept along by romance and suddenly all of the wounds of the past are resolved this is where we come to codependency um guilty your honor so about me being codependent i'm i think I'm with the people who say codependency, it's, it's kind of like alcoholism or something. Once you've got it, you have to be aware of it. It's something that you're sort of in recovery from always. So it's, it's going to show up um, and you might fall into it and you need to be aware of it. That doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to control your life, but it's a thing. Codependency is where you care more about other people than they care about themselves. So you you see people and you see that they have problems and you want to help them and you feel more driven to help others than you do to help yourself a lot of times. This shows up as intense empathy. It, it can show up in being an empath. Empaths have a, a kind of psychic ability to feel other people's feelings. Um, they can even somatize other people's feelings. So if somebody is becoming ill with something, you can actually become ill yourself if you're an empath, just because you, you pick up their stuff, you pick up their, this gets a little bit cosmic, but you pick up their vibration, you pick up what's going on with them. And there's, there's part of your psyche that wants to show them like, oh, this is what the problem is. Like, if you look at this, you can resolve this. <laughs> Let me help you resolve this. That is really helpful if you are a coach and somebody has paid you to do that work. That is brilliant. I work with people with personality disorders all day long. Um, I also work with plenty of people who don't have personality disorders, by the way. So if you see somebody saying that they've coached me, don't assume they have a personality disorder. Plenty of people who don't have personality disorders work with me. Um, I just happen to also work with people who have personality disorders. And within that coaching environment they're not abusive very very rarely I mean the whole gosh I've been coaching people who are definitely narcissistic and sometimes more than that for I don't know like a decade and in that time I suppose maybe three or four of them have really messed me over the rest of them don't because they're selfish enough <laughs> To know, oh, I'm paying this person for their expertise. I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the stuff and I'm going to be honest and open and tell them how my brain works so that they can help me in the best possible way. It's in their self-interest to be honest with me. It gives me a lot of data on people with personality disorders because they're, they're genuine with me and I can learn more about how they work and I can, when I'm helping them, I can see what works for them, what doesn't work for them. They do sometimes, I mean, there are certain things, if you are coaching people 
who are narcissistic, for instance, you do need to be aware of this and you, you will encounter, if you're coaching enough people, you'll encounter narcissists in time. They will do things like idealise you and you've you got to be aware of it. You've got to be aware of it. That there's a point where they will start to manipulate you because it gives them, that they can't help themselves. <laughs> it's in their nature. It's like, I must control this situation. So they'll idealise you and then they'll, they'll, they'll try and run the idealised, devalue, discard bit on you. You need to be aware of this. Because when it happens, which it, which it will, don't take it personally. It's their pathology. It's nothing to do with you. But swiftly segueing back to what I was talking about, it's helpful if you're a coach to be able to show people their stuff, especially if you're dealing with people who are a little bit personality disordered because they don't always know what their stuff is. They've spent a lot of time in many cases putting layers and layers and layers over how they really feel. They're actually identifying their own feelings gets really difficult for them. So if you can immediately pinpoint what they're feeling and show it to them, that really helps them. It helps them to make progress. It helps them to... Um, it helps them to get better. You know, it's it's a good thing. Now, I'm not a therapist. None of this that I share on my podcast or my blog or whatever comes with uh, an attached certificate of proficiency in anything. I haven't. I mean, yeah, I, I studied psychology in part of my degree was in psychology and I've, I've got other qualifications in psychology that are kind of low level qualifications, but nothing that would um, you know, basically mean that you should listen to me in any way or any of this stuff. Like this is opinion and based on experience and based on dating and also based on coaching people like this. And I also grew up in an environment where my grandmother was one of the pioneers of psychology in this area. So I'm very kind of informed on that as I grew up with it. And also, um, I, as it says in my Twitter bio, I'm sort of a bunny raised by wolves, which bless my parents, they've allowed me to put in my in my bio, because you know my parents and other people around me when I was growing up were a little bit more on the let's say extra side, so um, not kind of like full on narcissists or anything. Although some people were, but there was kind of somewhat of a more wolf like environment, as I prefer to call it. Because I feel like there are good wolves and bad wolves. I would put my parents, for the most part, in the good wolf c category. But I definitely encountered a lot of bad wolves growing up as well. And I'm, you know, 90-something percent bunny, I think. I felt very out of place in that environment. I was like, what is going on? I, how am I... How is, how is this where I landed? This feels so strange to me. But when you are a coach... Having that bunny element when you're dealing with wolves is really helpful because wolves are kind of, they've lost the inner bunny. They, a lot of times they don't, they, they have an inner bunny, but they have lost access to it. So they really don't understand their feelings a lot of times. And you do, so you can easily help them. And when someone's asked you to, and they're paying you to, you are in service to that person. You are helping that person. This is a good thing. This is helpful. This is healing. This is great. When you randomly tell people their stuff and they haven't asked you, that is toxic. That's not a gift. That is like, this person didn't ask to know that. They may have put layers and layers and layers around something 
for a reason. It is not on you to out them to themselves about their inner trauma and turmoil that they are not ready to experience yet. That is full on abusive. But that is something that empaths do constantly and get away with because people freaking worship empaths. People call empaths kind of angels that, that you are an angel come to earth. You are this perfect, sweet, spiritual being. Well, yeah, I mean, that's nice. I appreciate that. Thank you. But we're also like messed up. Being an empath doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from trauma. These are trauma responses. So an empath is the flip side of a personality disordered person. Generally speaking, empaths arise out of toxic family dynamics or toxic cultural or environmental dynamics where they are surrounded by personality disordered people. So I, I don't usually talk that much about my parents because I want to respect their privacy and because I love them to bits and they're wonderful people. And also they have mellowed with age. So I don't want you to think that anything that I say that kind of pertains to any trauma I experienced as a child relates to who they are now because they've, I wouldn't say they've completely grown out of it, but they have definitely mellowed. Um, and that can happen with people who are not necessarily personality disordered. I don't think either of my parents would, would get a diagnosis for that at this point, but a little bit up there. So I think there have been times in the past where one or possibly both of them could, if they'd gone to a therapist at that point, got some kind of diagnosis. There, there have been little blips in the distant past where maybe they just tiptoed a tiny bit into the bad wolf category. For example, my dad, my dad is the kind of person who, if, if it emerged that he was some kind of international man of mystery, <laughs> akin to um, a cross between, I don't know, Bourne and James Bond and Austin Powers, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I don't think anybody would. I think they'd be like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense, that adds up. He sort of lived a, a double life for a bit, and I had no idea, and then found out in my early 20s that he um, basically had this relationship, and it was a freaking nightmare. The whole thing blew apart, and it was it was horrifying. I mean, just horrific. And what was interesting was obviously... When stuff like this happens, for it to be hidden from you, you've, you've been gaslit for a long time. Because I was picking up on stuff and being told that I was imagining things. And it messes with your internal boundaries and, and your internal trusting of your insight and stuff like that. My, par my parents are very extraordinary people because they... The whole thing fell apart. They were going to get divorced. And I'm, I'm not going to go into super detail because, again... I respect my parents a lot and I don't want to tread into a space where I disrespect their privacy. But this, I think this is kind of like everybody who knows them knows this stuff anyway. So I don't think I'm really doing that now. And also they're both writing autobiographies. So, I mean, mum, dad, if you're listening to this and you want to rat me out in your autobiographies, go for it. Uh, just, you know, be as nice as you can. Um, so, yeah. Basically, that was a big shocker. But what happened was, and I was confused by this at the time, because I was all like, 
divorce would be a good move now. Like, this is not good. This is, this is some Machiavellian BS. Like, divorce would be good. Do the divorce. But they didn't get divorced. They got therapy. And it's weird because they kind of, like, overcame things. And it's almost like their relationship is in two parts. And at this point, I think they've been together for the second time longer than they were married the first time. It's been a long time. I, they love each other so much. They, they have such a great marriage. And it, it's like it is... They somehow... I don't know how the heck they overcame that. I think most people wouldn't be able to. But they did. And they're really honest with each other. And they it's much more kind of above board and open and or honest of a relationship now than it was when it looked perfect. But actually all of this random crap was happening below, below the surface. They're, they're able to sort of joke about this stuff and everything actually now. So I never thought that would happen. So people can change, you know, um, and and they have and um, they've grown and they've developed and they love each other so much and they have a great marriage. And from my perspective, saying that people who are more personality disordered or more kind of wolf-like and people who are more bunny-like are two sides of the same coin. I feel like the fact that that happened with my parents has really been helpful to me in terms of becoming a coach because I always have that optimism about people changing. But it's been sort of a nightmare for me in terms of romantic relationships because I have that optimism about people changing. And really, both of my parents have pointed out to me, you do realise this is really rare. <laughs> like, most times this wouldn't happen. Um, don't, this, we are not the rule here. We're the exception. And that's true. And um, it's taken me a really long time to understand, oh, if you, if you are in a relationship with someone and they have a personality disorder, the chances are that's not going to change. It might, it might get a little bit better, but it, it's probably not going to change because generally it doesn't. Whereas when someone actually approaches me for coaching, they usually want to change. They or they want to use their superpowers for good, not evil. So one of the things that I say is, um, if all narcissists are monsters, how come all superheroes are narcissists? Success is positively correlated with narcissism. Uh, financial, monetary successes, um, fame, all of these things are positively correlated with narcissism. So there is an upside to narcissism. It's just a question of understanding that there is also a downside. So if you have these traits, if you're a bit more wolf-like, you need to look at how do I use this for good, not evil. And so when people approach me about coaching and they are a little bit more on the narcissistic side, they're generally looking at, look, can you help me become somebody who is ridiculously successful because of these traits but also understands how to relate in relationships better because I really haven't got a clue what's going on with my feels so if you could kind of hook me up with my feels in a way that I can manage plus um, help me to become ridiculously famous and and financially well off that'd be great I'd really appreciate that because what what I'm having a little bit more of is I'm a bit chaotic with the making money side of things because I kind of get a bit too caught up with people thinking that I'm great and so I, I'm more 
associated with that. And then the relationship side of things is a complete nightmare because I have no idea what empathy is. So I help them with that, you know, and it, and it's successful because, I mean, I'm not saying it's 100% successful 100% of the time because it's tricky, but there there is nearly always some success for them in that because they're seeking for there to be success because they are committed to doing the difficult things so that they make progress whereas when you're dating that's not it's not that somebody when they're coming into a relationship with you is thinking oh wow this is someone that um that I don't even know yet <laughs> but I think they look nice or I think they're funny or I think they're interesting I want to change my entire life for this person. They're generally not thinking that. <laughs> they're not thinking, I. oh, this is someone I go into therapy for. They're not thinking that. So they're coming in from a different perspective. So you need to kind of be aware of that. So when I was talking about, about codependency, if you're somebody who is an empath and you you are driven to help people, you want to help the people who ask you for help. Don't go around removing people's autonomy because that's abusive. That's toxic. Um, actually, an, an ex of mine who, I mean, he's a little bit wolf-like in some ways, but he's also a sweetie and he's also like, we've been friends for decades. We were friends before we dated and we've been friends for decades after we dated and he's wonderful. So he was looking at my pattern with relationships one time and he said to me when are you going to stop standing between people and their karma and as they say in the interwebs that hit different <laughs> I was like whoa oh that is toxic isn't it that's not a good thing that's not good that I in relationships have made excuses for people I've I've tried to help them I've tried to be so understanding of them that I haven't held them accountable fully for what they've done. I haven't set up boundaries where I should have set them up. I haven't walked away when I should have done. And so it's really important f for speaking to those of you who may be in relationships with people with personality disorders where you're being abused. You don't have to tolerate abuse. You can leave. Abuse is not, it doesn't matter what caused it. Like who cares? It's, it's not your business to find out what caused it. It's not, you're not a rehab center for broken men. That is not what you are. Or women, if, you know, then this can happen both ways. You can get away from the abuse and you should get away from the abuse. So having talked about how it is that borderline personality disorder pulls people in and what it is that's so magnetic about people with, with that particular disorder, Let's have a quick look at the things that people are saying that look like good things and look at where they could potentially be bad things. So some of the things people are saying about Pete is that he's kind of emotionally open and available, that he's really interested in them, that he's, you know, he's somebody who just, he's just really all about you. People with borderline will love bomb in the same way as as people with any personality disorder will love bomb. Love bombing is arguably, I was that seven hour conversation, that's potentially love bombing, right? But I was, I was part of that. I was in that conversation. At any point I could have said, we have loved on each other too much at this point. <laughs> we should go our separate ways. We don't know each other. 
but it was such an amazing conversation. It was, if you've ever been in a conversation that you're just like, this is everything. Like, this is the best conversation I've had in my life. I, why would I check out of this? This is a great conversation. I don't know if I could go back and take apart that conversation, like go, let's just keep this to an hour. I don't think I would have because it was awesome. <laughs> it was so great. But I should have paid attention to the fact that that's a red flag. So when you just completely swept along, as I was with him, then you you need to be aware, okay, this is a red flag for me that I, I am not in control right now of my emotions and this person may or may not be. If they're a narcissist, they were probably fully in control and this is just playing into their hand beautifully. If they're, they've got BPD, they're probably just as swept along as you are. You're just, I mean, and it's wonderful and it's great and everything, but it's, it's going to end badly. I remember with him actually early on in our relationship saying to him, this is going to get really codependent. And him saying to me, well, yeah, but it'll be so much fun until it does. There was no lack of awareness there that we were both clearly doing something moving in a disordered direction. We could tell that because it was way too intense. And that's the other thing is, is the intensity. When you're in a relationship with someone with borderline or narcissism, there is ridiculous amounts of intensity. And so that is, yeah, that is coming probably from a toxic place in them. So they have, it is sometimes people, people with personality disorders, it's, highly correlated also with addiction so they may have um they may be addicted to things or they may have a background in addiction which tends towards this kind of really intense experience and also the the negative aspects of things like narcissism you're dealing with intermittent reinforcement which is again massive amounts of intensity followed by ghosting or followed by kind of discard and stuff like that so it is an indication that it is the good side that is showing you the bad side. It is like, this is like a roller coaster. This is amazing. This is so much fun. This is so exciting. When you're on a roller coaster, part of that is the highs, part of it's the lows. So you need to be aware, like, this is going to come down in a minute. This is not a helium balloon that continues to rise. Sooner or later, something bad's going to happen. And the higher we go with this, the worse the drop's going to be. And I felt with him, we both sort of realized which direction we were going. And we both kind of realized, like, this thing's going to pop in a second. And it's not going to be fun for either of us. But we, but we kept going anyway. We shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have done that. If you are consciously aware and you have a dynamic that's not particularly... Oh, alarm just went off that's not particularly conducive to balance, then you've, you've got to do the grown-up thing. And at some point in that, this is, this is a freaking Disney movie, you have to kind of just put the brakes on and go, why don't we spend a couple of days not speaking to each other? Like, let's just spend a couple of days and do our own thing and see what happens. Just see what happens when you put a boundary up. Because if the other person's like super toxic, 
they will despise the boundary and they will attack you or they will cheat on you or, I mean, whatever, like they will do some shady crap and you get to discover that early and that's handy to know. If they're actually a genuine person, they'll be okay with this and it'll be difficult for them, but they will stay away from you for a couple of days and you can kind of just balance out a little bit, just balance the chemicals because there's all kinds of chemical nonsense that happens in your head and your body when you fall in love with someone. And people with borderline fall really deep. And if you are involved with someone with borderline, you're going to fall really deep. And sometimes this happens with narcissists too, that they genuinely feel like they're falling in love. They're not most of the time. Most narcissists can't actually feel love. It's very, very sad, but they can't. They feel something that feels like it might be love, but it's just the addictive side of things. It's just the, it's like lust or, you know, oh, I've got loads of attention on me or this is new and I'm excited, but it doesn't really progress past that into something real. It can do with some people, but with, with a lot of more extreme narcissists, they never really, they can't really feel love. I feel like borderlines can because they, they're so, they have this more introspective side and they, they have a kind of empathy that is very, very highly developed. And they have another kind of empathy that is very badly developed, but there's, there's a part of them. There's a part of the empathy that's very highly developed uh, in most borderlines. So they can fall in love. They can absolutely fall in love like an empath can fall in love, but then they can, then they, then it gets disordered and weird. So this is why I think people just fall for Pete is because he is, is bestowing them with this attention. He's seeing them. He has the kind of empathy that can see into them and show them themselves in the best light. So if you look at the women around him, it's not just that they're happy. There's most of the candid shots of Pete and whoever he's with. The woman is laughing her head off. She looks unguarded. She looks like I am accepted fully for who I am, even if I'm imperfect. This guy actually sees me at a deeper level than other people do. You know, Kim, when he was hanging out with Kim Kardashian, she's hanging out with in sweatpants and stuff. She's just being herself. She's not all kind of done up the way she had to be with Kanye the whole time because he he's a full-on narcissist and she was his muse. So she had to look perfect constantly. You see her just chilling with Pete because it's like, oh, come on, just be yourself with me. I, I love you for every level of who you are. And women really respond well to that. Like, finally, I can be myself. Are you kidding me? I can actually be myself. So you get this chilled aspect coming out in in the women that he dates and this fun like laughter and this is so much fun and then you also get the side of them that's confident you see this confidence this confident energy you see this alpha female energy come out in them and then you see him being confident enough in himself to play a supporting role sometimes uh, this goes so against the manosphere and this is why you guys don't get laid. <laughs> this is why you don't get laid. And Pete gets all the women. Because he gets it. Because he gets it. There is a point at which you step back and you let your woman be the goddess that she is. And he gets that. 
And he's strong enough as a man and he is confident enough in himself that he still has that BDE when his woman is like, you'll believe God is a woman. When they're in that energy, he can celebrate that in them. But he can also celebrate their low-key side and their chilled side. So it's that that unconditional acceptance and allowing people to be themselves and allowing them to open up and be humorous. People with borderline narcissists, generally speaking, they, they need the external to be so perfect all the time that they can be pretty humorless sometimes if they feel that that's threatened. Someone with borderline, because they have this constant battle between the the psychotic and the neurotic going on, they can look at themselves and kind of joke at themselves and do that with humour and and allow other people to do that. So there is this more accepting side of them, this kind of like, ah, oh, this person is so, they're so funny, they're so intelligent, plus they get me. They get me on a level that other people don't get me. Plus, they accept me fully and completely. This is freaking awesome. And that that comes with borderline. That comes with borderline. There's, there's a lot of really bad stuff that comes with borderline, but the good stuff is that. And that is absolutely what, what Pete is using to bring these women in. He, his openness, his friendliness, his approachableness, it's all the same thing. The, the reason that borderlines are so insightful is because they're hypervigilant. You become hypervigilant if you've been subject to abuse. You become hypervigilant if you've been abandoned. Generally speaking, borderlines, the, the real fear for a borderline is abandonment. They, they need love. It's not just that they, they want it. Narcissists want it. They, they want people a lot and they want to use people a lot. Borderlines need people. So staying safe in a relationship with a borderline involves setting up borders, set, setting up boundaries and explaining to them when you need space and also allowing them to have space and making things safe in that environment so that it doesn't get toxic. They're super charming like narcissists are. They are, mani- but the, you know, the downside, I'm not, I'm, this isn't an ad for borderline like, oh, I wish I had borderline. This is what makes them really incredibly attractive to women and men, you know. Borderlines are very, they're they're very attractive people. They draw people in a lot. But they, if they have it very badly, they can become completely psychotic. They have very bad problems with rage. If they're very, very bad, it becomes, you know, if if I can't have you, no one can, I will destroy you, it's all of that stuff. If they're lower down the kind of spectrum, it's not that at all. They might kind of talk about their exes a lot, and but they're not necessarily going to be dissing them. It's with genuine affection. A narcissist talks about their exes, they're doing it to triangulate. There's always a kind of game afoot with narcissists. With borderlines, it's more... It's more just kind of like, did I did I screw up? Did I mess something up? It, there's a lot of kind of questioning of themselves and and wanting to do better. And I think if you find yourself in a relationship with someone with borderline, it is important to be empathetic because that is a it's a really difficult thing to handle. And as I've said previously, <clears throat> I understand 
I think I understand borderlines pretty well because I have aspects of that, not the psychotic side, but the, the bunny side, you know, Namus bunny. Borderlines have this bunny inside that is kind of damaged and but it's so sweet and the bunny in me sees the bunny in them very very clearly um with narcissists sometimes the bunny's there sometimes they've just eaten it <laughs> so you can't sometimes there is just a vacuum where the bunny should be and sometimes there is just hell where the bunny should be but with borderlines for the most part the bunny is present and kind of scared and running in circles and you need to um understand that if you have a friend who's borderline or if you are you find yourself involved with somebody who's borderline don't don't be mean to them because they are being mean enough to themselves um it it is on the one side psychosis is there yes people can be psychotic when they have borderline but on the other side is the neurosis and they are beating themselves up more than you ever could so be kind to people with borderline but also as with anybody as with anyone with a personality disorder or mood disorder any kind of mental instability or just someone who's a bit of a dick do not tolerate abuse if things get abusive leave hang up walk out find a safe place have things set up that no you you do not do this to me you do not say this to me that isn't happening. That's abuse. I'm getting away from this. That's really important. It's important for you and it's important for the person who has the personality disorder. So what do you think? Do you think that it's just that Pete Davidson is hung like a horse or do you think it is that he has this BPD thing going on and that makes him more attractive to women? Do you think it's something totally else, totally different? You know, if you if you have a, an opinion on this, depending on the podcasting platform you're on, you might be able to send me a little voice clip saying what your opinion is. Otherwise, find me on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Bardess on Twitter. And you can hashtag like a Bardess if you want to. And just let me know. Let me know. Um, share the podcast with people if you think that it's useful. And tell me what your take is on it. And while you're on Twitter... By the way, I'm giving free stuff away in my bio. So if you click the link in the bio, you will get free things. I can't remember exactly what's there at the moment. I think you get free books and there's a free email course thing that I put together. There's a bunch of stuff that you get for free. And if you want to look at my blog, just put .com after my name or go to likeabardess.com. If you want to listen to more of the podcast, listen to more of the podcast. You should do that. There's, there's tons you know, there's tons to listen to, just listen to it. Reach out to me, you know, DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you've encountered stuff like this. If you've got anything you want me to cover on the podcast, send me a DM and say, hey, can you co cover this? I'm also on Instagram. You can send me a message there. All the places, just let me know, like, hey, I would really like to learn a little bit more about this or I've got experience about this. And let me know if you want to be anonymous, then I will anonymize it. Um, if you want a shout out, I can say, hey, so-and-so suggested this topic, just let me know, and I will do my very best to serve you.